Welcome to the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I'm sports editor Greg Keim, and with me is my sidekick, sports reporter, Austin Huff. Austin, we're back again, and there's a little bit of excitement on the local front. Yeah. With the opening of practice conditioning yesterday for high school sports. For the, for the first time in almost exactly four months, I was out covering official high school-sanctioned events. Right. Uh, Even though it's only conditioning, but... It was only workouts and conditioning, but it was something. I had been at March 7th. That was the last day. uh, High school sectional boys basketball tournament. Mm -hmm. And uh, Northwood beat Wallace C. That was the last last game I covered to win the boys basketball sectional. And then the whole world decided to shut down a couple days later. And uh, but we're hopefully maybe sort of trying to get back into the swing of things here. Yeah. So things are on a very limited basis right now. Athletes are allowed a maximum of fifteen hours on campus, mm-hmm. and that covers conditioning sessions and skill sessions. Right. And something I wasn't aware of until I talked to Coach Kyle Park yesterday at Goshen football coach. If they have multi-sport athletes, the coaches are required to keep track. Of say, okay, I've got Austin here for two hours in this session, and then he's got an hour in, in uh, basketball or whatever other sport. Mm-hmm. That all goes towards the 15 hours for the week. Right, and I think that's something that we, I think at least I personally haven't thought about, is, you know, my mindset is right now is like, let's just get ready for fall sports. But right. you forget other winter sports also do things in the summer. Like they're allowed to practice and scrimmage. So you're seeing all the right. basketball and wrestling potentially doing open gyms and gymnastics and things like that. Every, like everything, yeah, everything. So and and you know even some track can be done. You know right. some track things. I know Goshen's doing some stuff with the track right. team. And uh, Goshen girls soccer coach Myron Bontrager told me one of the ways they're working with that 15-hour requirement is they're having the girls' soccer team, the girls' basketball team, and the volleyball team all in conditioning sessions at the same time. Because mm-hmm. he said, why should I take a player uh, and put them through a couple hours of conditioning and then have Sean Hill, the basketball coach, if they play for him, take them for more conditioning? Right. He said, why can't we combine those? And right. Then we have more hours. Perfect example of that just came to the top of my head is obviously Bryn Pill plays volleyball and basketball, right. you know, for Goshen. So she can, you know, do both of her conditionings for the two sports at the same time instead of having to go work with Coach Melanie Meyer, new head coach for volleyball, and then get dragged over by her dad to go do more training. I mean, that right. would just be terrible parenting, honestly, making your kid <laughs> go through that. But, uh, no, yes. I like you, Sean. You're a good guy. I'm not, I'm not dis- disrespecting your parenting skills. So, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, it is interesting, and it's something you didn't think about with the multiple sports and getting everyone there, you know, no more than 15 hours on campus. And, right. you know, and- you, you could probably combine those three sports that you mentioned because you see a lot of the football Programs have about had about fifty guys. I was at Fairfield Northridge yesterday, and each one of them probably had like fifty kids working out. So if you, in theory, combine the volleyball, basketball, soccer, that might be about fifty kids too. So you can get them into smaller groups from that, from that, and everyone can do their. Uh, the number Myron gave me was about seventy. So really, about about seventy fifty to seventy. Sports, I mean, but that's still what you would yeah. expect, I guess. You know, yeah. from that, and you, the 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 thing I've been noticing, I think, is like a lot of teams are going to break down that conditioning. That big group, obviously, you can't keep everyone together in a big group like that. 
So they split them off into like groups of seven or eight, set up different stations that are socially distant, right, to keep them in the rotation. Right. So that way each group is in like, you're really only in a group of seven or eight for the most of the day. So then that way people maintain social distancing. The group numbers don't get too big. And uh, like one of the Northridge football assistant coaches to me explained it, explained it to me yesterday was like, if we keep everyone in like a little bubble, like with their own like eight group bubble, like it's the same group the rest of the whole summer. Like they're not going to change groups. So like in theory, if like one person from a little group gets infected, you know, they are test positive. They're only going to have to sit out eight total kids as opposed to sitting out the whole team right. because that kid could have been interacting with everybody on the team in theory. So it is, it's, it's really complex. Um, like I've told you a couple times, I don't, envy, I don't envy anybody in the positions of trying to organize and enforce all of these hours and rules and regulations. I, don't, I'm, I'm, I will gladly stand six feet away and watch it happen. So You'll be glad to follow social distancing on that one. Huh? Oh, yeah. We're, I'll wear a mask and everything, too, so just to watch that from afar. Well, one, of, one of the uh, comments I got from Coach Park yesterday was, he said it, it kind of reminded him of co- his experiences in college when he went spring, you went home for the summer, and then you go back in the fall and you're re- you know, seeing new faces that you haven't seen for four months. Mm-hmm. And he said he was really impressed. There were about three or four kids on the football team that he said put in a lot of time mm-hmm. over the summer working with the weights and improving their bodies for mm-hmm. getting ready for this football season. Right, and obviously a lot of kids had to become creative, I'm sure, getting their exercise in during the summer. Right. You know, I don't know how many people have weight machines or anything at their homes per se, but you know, there are things you can do to strengthen your body and be ready to go and keep yourself in that shape you know, yeah. before you start your season. So it's, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. And like some of the workouts yesterday I even saw, you know, obviously – you can't really be in – you could be in the weight room right now, but you can't be doing any free weight lifting. So bench pressing and, like, squatting and things like that, you really can't do because that doesn't require social distancing, basically. Like, if someone's spotting you, yeah. you know, they're right on you to make sure you don't, you know, get hurt. You can't be six feet away and spot someone, you know, on a weight like that. Not unless you got long arms. Yeah, unless you're, like, you know, Sean Kemp with a massive wingspan or something. I don't know. Um, but – why did I pull out Sean Camp? I don't know, but we're here now. So I have no idea. Concord, you don't, know, shout out local Concord, I guess. Don't ask me to explain to people how your mind works. <laughs> Vice versa. Vice <laughs> versa. So, um, yeah. But so I'm intrigued to see how many schools will even be able to use their weight rooms. Well, like Gosha, fully. Gosha was doing right. some stuff in their weight room yesterday. Right. I don't know what. Yeah. Because uh, Coach Park told me that basically what they're doing is splitting the group into two different groups and sending half of them in to do some weight work and the other half they're taking out on the football field Mm -hmm. to do like conditioning and skill Mm -hmm. drills that they can and i saw a picture from concord they were they had their you know they have a huge new uh well new last year uh weight room and they were able to use the weight room a little bit too right for the general workouts um, but Fairfield, when I was there, they were doing just general conditioning. Like it could have been open to anybody. Most of the kids ended, were end up football players, but they were outside doing their things. I don't think they went into, into a weight room. Uh, and, and when I got to Northridge at the end of their practice, they were not in the weight room either. They were outside, hmm. spread out, doing kind of more out- outdoor 
activities. They weren't really lifting any weights or anything. They were, right. you know, throwing down like the weighted ball, you know, like up and down and like doing things like that or pushing the truck. Like we had one of the coaches in the truck and they were pushing it around the parking lot to like, you know. He probably had his foot on the brake too. Yeah, probably, you know. <laughs> so, but it was just kind of, it was kind of funny. He was honking the horn like every 10 seconds to get new kids on there and uh, things like that. But uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting. I think you're going to see a lot of people get creative in that sense, you know, with trying to uh, do different activities. And you can't obviously all be in the weight room right now, so right. you got to kind of work around the restrictions. So, well, Coach Coach Park said it wasn't normal because of the things you have to do now, mm-hmm. but he said it was a step in the right direction. Right, and I think that's what the big thing is. Is like, yes. You have to wear the masks like before and after practice. That's really annoying, I'm sure, for the players and the coaches to wear them during practice. And, yes, there's all these different restrictions. You can't really be in a big group. Um, But I think the general consensus yesterday was everyone is just happy to be out there moving around with with their teammates, with their coaches, you know, just really excited and hopeful, you know, cautiously optimistic that maybe – We'll be able to play games, you know, come mid-August. You're, you're reading my mind. That's just what I, I was going to yeah. mention because <laughs> I just saw on the AP wire before we came in here that the uh, the PGA has decided to scrap its plan to have limited fans at the Memorial Golf Tournament this week. Mm-hmm. And also that FC Dallas has pulled out of the MLS playoffs because of a number of their players right. testing positive for the virus. Right. Obviously, the last couple weeks to a month have not been great in terms of COVID positive cases numbers have been going up all across the country and you know we've seen it in Elkhart County too we were the only ones to not get moved into stage 4.5 last week whatever that even means Um, but you know I, I don't know like you know we've talked obviously we've talked about it a lot because what else is there to talk about but the COVID stuff but uh, last month, at this time last month, I was feeling pretty okay. Like I thought we might be able to be able to get to where we need to be. This last month has made me a little more nervous. Yeah. Um, I think it really just depends on case numbers this month. Like it's, we're gonna have to determine where we're at. I know the the stage four point five or whatever ends July seventeenth as of now. Uh, under Eric Holcomb's plan, Governor Holcomb's plan, so maybe that's a date we look at. I think that's about the time that the, the schools are scheduled to move into phase two of the returning program, yeah. which allows them to start having, I think, contact and doing some contact things in football. Right. So I, I would assume that is when we maybe start thinking about, you know, let's see where the case numbers go these next two weeks and right. go from there. Um, I would assume, like, the last date you could uh, do any, like, make any sort of announcement would be August 1st, I would assume. Like, that's three weeks before football begins. Girls golf will be starting, you know, two days later. And right. girls golf might be able to play regardless. Um, but, you know, soccer usually starts second, third week of August and volleyball and things like that. So I would, I would harbor to bet by this time next month we're going to know definitively if we're playing sports, if yeah. fans are going to be allowed to go see these sporting games, you know, what will be the access for media even? Like, we'll learn we'll learn all these things. Right. I would hope so by August 7th. <laughs> Who knows? Well, You're, yeah. yeah. It, your guess is as good as mine right now because, mm-hmm. as was mentioned before on this podcast, 
things change day by day and sometimes even hour by hour. Right. So I am cautiously optimistic. I'm still, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic. I want there to be sports, obviously. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, I want to be able to play a football season and, and, uh, we'll see. I feel like I've said that a hundred thousand times, but we'll see, I guess. If it's anything, a, It's a hundred thousand and one, but who's counting? Right, right. Yeah. I, I rounded down actually. So, yeah. Well, in uh, other, uh, na- what, do you want to shift to more local news? Do we talk about Grace Hales a little yeah, bit? A little bit yeah, a little bit more on the positive side now. Grace yeah. Hales, Westfree graduate, wrapped up her career this year as Valpo women's basketball team. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. She told me that when she was making her college selection, she's always been an independent person. And she said, being close to home and being close to my parents wasn't really a consideration when she was first looking for a college. Mm-hmm. She said she was visiting college and talking to colleges all over the country. But she said once she went to Valparaiso, she fell in love with the campus over there and the coaching staff that she decided that's where she wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And she said she was uh, cautious at first about going to a D1 program because she said she didn't know how much she would get to play. But after visiting campus, she told her parents, she said, I want to go there, and she said, I don't care how much playing time I get. Wow. So that's, that's what you know when you really love a place. Yes. It's like and you want to go there more than anything. And she did get playing time because one of the categories she finished high on the career list is she tied for second place in all-time games played with I think, 123. <laughs> she was nervous about playing. Why? I so, think she played. I think she played some. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think her first year she played 31 of the 32 games. Now, she only mm-hmm. started one game, I think. Right. But – she played in almost every game that year as a right. freshman. Right. So, obviously, obviously, you know, you freshman, you don't expect them to start anyway right away, but to get into 31 of the 32 games is nothing to sneeze at. You know? Right. So. And she actually, she ended up uh, finishing 12th on the career scoring list of Valpo with 1,123 points. And this is the one that is, is impressive to me. She's second in career free throw percentage at 85.9%. Mm-hmm. Wow. You in know, her career, she made 238 of 277 free throw right. attempts. You know, my dad always tells me that rule number one in life is always make your free throws. So, swear to God, that's an honest-to-God Austin I'm, Huff senior quote. I'm sure it and, is. And uh, Grace fouls that to heart, literally. She yeah. is second most in free throw percentage in school history. So... I mean, that, that's pretty remarkable. It's a pretty impressive number. Yeah. And also, I have to give a shout-out to her parents, Ross and Candace mm-hmm. Hales. Ross, yeah. the former Elkhart Memorial basketball football standout who went on to play at IU and mm-hmm. actually walked on one year in the IU basketball team for a guy you might have heard of, a coach by the name of Bob Knight. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Okay. <laughs> Ross actually made it to every one of Grace's games this year. Wow. Even the road trips. Wow. Well, I know he because he had been coaching uh, an assistant at Westview with the boys team right. while he, Elijah was still playing. Right, but he didn't coach this year, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things. One of the reasons why he didn't coach is because he wanted to go to Grace's games. Right, especially in her senior year, I'm sure that meant right. more. So, and a neat memento he's going to have from her career there is she told me she last Christmas she started an album for him. Every game that they were at together, she had somebody take a picture. Every, at every different venue. Wow. 
So Ross is going to have an album filled with pictures of the two of them That's pretty cool. at each venue she played in. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. That's cool. I, I wish I was that good of a, of a child to my parents <laughs> to, to think of something like that <laughs> for them. But that's really cool, actually, yeah. And to answer one of the questions we had discussed last week before I talked to her, since they played most of their season, they, played their, they completed the regular season, mm-hmm. didn't get to play their conference tournament. So they do not, at that level, get the chance to come back for another year. I figured that would be the case. I, but yeah. Now, Grace, however, is going back to Valpo as a graduate assistant for the women's basketball program and to work on this, her second year of grad school. She actually graduated in three years over there while playing basketball in her degree she, in communications and sports media. Show off. Unbelievable. Yeah. So what she want to do? Why she, what's she in grad school now for that as well? She's getting a master's degree in that, and she would like to work in either in the sports information department or the athletic departments at a university somewhere mm-hmm. handling social media and things of that nature. She wants to fight us. Is what what you're saying? She wants to basically she wants to prevent us from writing stories about people like her to what in her career. I get so. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. We we forgive you, Grace. We more, do. More power to her. Yeah. She, she was bless, one of my right? favorite basketball players that I ever got to talk to. Yeah. Up. I mean, great I, kid. Yeah. Great family. The Hales family is like you said. It's really great, and I've always enjoyed my conversations with them as well. Whether it be Ross or Elijah, and never really talked, never talked to Grace before, but I've always wanted to. So. And see, that's the thing too. Her her little brother Elijah was a freshman on the DePaul's men's basketball team this year. Right. And Ross even made it to some of his games. It's it's impressive. And but and Grace told me they had a they had a plan that if there was a conflict between games, Ross went to Grace's game and Mom went to Elijah's <laughs> games. That's nice. That's good. Well, they got three more years of Elijah games to get to, yes. so I'm sure they'll be okay. I'm sure they won't miss too many of those after this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good to good that you were able to catch up with her and, and oh, the yeah. whole family and things like that. And, and I uh, even got some really good quotes from the. Uh, Valpo coach Mary Evans about mm-hmm. Grace talking about how she was a valuable leader for the program and she's going to be hard to replace. She said, especially from the shooting aspect, because she said her shooting ability, you know, forced defenses to kind of converge on her and left a lot of her teammates open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's yeah. She's a talented player. Obviously, is one of the all-time leading scorers and games played and everything. So. What? And her Westview career, Westview finished 81-23 and 23 in her four varsity seasons. And she scored a total of exactly 1,600 points. Seems pretty <laughs> pretty efficient. It's pretty yeah. efficient. So. It's like a guy I, want, I talked to one time that he scored, I think, exactly 1,000 points in his high school career. And he said, I asked him why he stopped at 1,000. He said, that was my goal. He said, I didn't, once I got there, he said, I didn't see any sense of going any farther. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, he, so, yeah, good stuff from them. And uh, yeah. someone who's going to make a little more than $1,000, uh, make a transition. I don't yeah. know how to make a transition to this other than. Uh, we have a new world's highest paid athlete. We do. Of, as of yesterday. We do. Patrick Mahomes signed a 10-year, $503 million total uh, extension that gets him un- in Kansas City through the 2031 season. The deal basically breaks down where it's $28 million for his last two years of his rookie deal right now, and then a 10-year, $450 million extension starts following the end of that. And 
477 million of it is in guaranteed mechanisms, which was what the freight, the wording was. Basically, these the two sides can like reassess after every year or before the next season or what. It's like some sort of language, basically saying like the Chiefs can opt out of the deal whenever they want, and that would let Mahomes become a free agent. Uh, it feels like it's basically 12 one-year contracts. But if he if they keep on opting him in or whatever, he's going to make, you know, a ton of money. The, the way <laughs> yeah. the deal the way the deal is structured is it's not 45 million per year. It's more like it's kind of a backloaded deal. So the the Chiefs are going to be still paying him like 27, 28 million dollars a year these next like couple years once the the big deal starts. Oh, so in other words, he's going to become the Bobby Bonilla of the NFL. <laughs> well, he's going to be paid for the rest of his life. No, not 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 that not like that essentially, but yeah, in a way. So, I was looking at up the breakdown of the numbers, and I'm going to give me one second to pull this up just briefly here. But uh, it works out to where, like, starting once the deal starts, he'll make 23 million the first year of the extension, and then 29.5 in the second year, 40 million in the third. Uh, 38 in the fourth. It basically works its way up then after that to where but if he's still under contract in 2027 for that season, he'll be paid $59.9 million for that season just in salary. And it's guaranteed because of this guaranteed mechanism. So he could make $60 million in 2027, potentially. Unbelievable. It's crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. As I told you, before the podcast, we were talking about this. I'm not sure anybody's worth that kind of money. It's insane. I mean, obviously, he brings a ton of value to the Chiefs, and they won a Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years, and you're banking on the fact, literally, that he is going to be the franchise, the NFL's greatest quarterback, basically, of all time, and win you more Super Bowls and you make make more money. I mean, yeah. you know, these NFL franchises are valued at, you know, two, three billion dollars up to however many billions of dollars, depending on which one you own, you know, which one they are. And I'm sure the Chiefs' value went up a ton in the last two seasons with Mahomes leading them and his jersey sales bringing in money and yeah. all those things. So, you know, $500 million, it's a lot of money, but, you know, by the end of it, it might not even be that much given the Chiefs are worth, you know, $10 billion yeah. by the time it by the time his deal ends, potentially. So. It just shows you how much sports have changed over the years. Because I remember reading a story one time about Mickey Mantle. Mm-hmm. After he won the Triple Crown in 1956, he went in the next year to negotiate with the owners for his contract. They wanted him to take a $10,000 pay cut after he'd won the Triple Crown. It's crazy. And a sports writer was talking to him about that later for a book. And asked him, he said, if you were going in and negotiate your contract today, he said, what would you tell those people? And he said... I'd have to tell them they're about to have a new partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's just crazy. You know, they on uh, on the NFL.com article about the contract, they listed off quarterbacks who have signed 10-year deals in the, like since 2000. It's only happened four or five times. Obviously, you never see a 10-year deal in any sport. Usually baseball, some of them get 10-year deals. Yeah. But a 10-year contract for a quarterback in the NFL, I mean, that's incredible. Almost That's, unheard of. Won't, yeah. These four or five, though, from they're all from like the early two thousands, and it was like it looked like the combined values of those four weren't even what Mahomes will get paid total. It was like the richest one was Michael Vick in two thousand 
four got a $130 million deal from the Falcons. And the other three were less than that. It's like Mahomes is going to make more money off this deal than those four made combined off those deals. It's incredible to look at. <laughs> it's insane. It really is. And the other thing is, you're, you know, you got to give the Chiefs, I don't, I don't know if it's credit or discredit, one of the two. They're signing him to this contract. And at this point, they're not even 100% sure they're going to have an NFL season this year. Right. They don't know if they're going to be able to have fans to sell tickets to. Mm-hmm. Well, that was part of the deal, I think, too, was um, like the initial signing bonus. I mean, it's still a lot. It's like $63 million, which is still a ton of money. But you'll uh, see. Yeah, I think I can do <laughs> that for a while. You'll, you'll see the, a lot of these signing bonuses, there'll be more. And I think he could get paid $103 million for the signing bonus, like guaranteed by like March, like next March, I guess, like eight, eight months or whatever. And I think they did that in a sense because like they don't know about the upcoming season. So right. they didn't want to give him $103 million right now and like lose money potentially. And I don't know. There's just so many different elements to this contract. It's like really hard to like look at and break down. I'm just thankful I'm not a sports agent or someone who's being paid a lot to figure out what the heck this all means. So, yeah, but it would be worth the uh, percentage of that contract, though, to negotiate it, wouldn't it? I would retire, man. I'd retire. <laughs> Are you kidding me? i get 10% of that, right? $50 yeah. million, I'll take that. Absolutely. So, yeah, that kudos to the agent for Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahomes for getting that deal done. But, yeah. yeah, half a billion dollars in total value, potentially, paid to Patrick Mahomes for this. To one guy. One guy. And, and as I was telling you earlier today, I, it feels so poetic, almost, fitting, that the year the Bears draft a quarterback in the draft, they take Mitch Trubisky, and the guy they pass up on becomes the highest-paid quarterback in the history of sports and potentially becomes the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, he wouldn't have gotten those kind of dollars out of the Bears. I can get. Well, that's that. true, <laughs> he, and he probably wouldn't have been good somehow with the Bears, right? Like it's just the yeah. Bears' luck that they never draft a good quarterback ever or have a good quarterback ever. Uh, yeah, could you imagine the, the Hallis family or the McCaskies paying him five hundred million dollars? No, no way. No, no way. way. So. Nope. Anyway, speaking of other professional sports, we have baseball released their schedule uh, Monday officially. We know who's playing where. Uh, thanks to uh, <laughs> thanks to Goshen, former Goshen News Sports Editor Stu Swartz for also sharing the schedules on our Facebook pages, just yeah. in case we had missed them. Right. We love you, Stu, but uh, you know, thank you for that. He sent me both the Cubs and the White Sox schedule. Yeah, I think he sent both mine to me, too. Stu knows I'm a big Cubs fan, and he, of course, is a White Sox fan. Yeah, I'm sure he wanted to rub it in some more, but... Uh, yeah, the Cubs will open up at home against Milwaukee on Friday, July 24th, and the White Sox are at home against the Twins to open up the season. Uh, That's the, kind of unusual to have both of them in town at the right. same time. You never usually see that, but obviously with no fans going to these games, it's like doesn't really matter. The thing that threw me off, too, was that Cubs game. It's a Friday night home game, which you never see at Wrigley unless it's in the playoffs. You never right. see the Friday night home games. The neighborhood is all very protective and things like that, but they are uh, they're obviously with no no fans, there's gonna be no traffic going to Wrigley Field per se. Yeah. So And this bring up the no fans things. I haven't I have thought about this. I have not seen it anywhere. What what about the rooftop seating at, 
And regular field on the I, is, is that off limits to people too? Can I you, saw. Surely there's social distance from there. I, I think I saw that twenty uh, percent capacity potentially for the rooftops. Um, I'm not 100% confident. I think I saw that's where it was at, but right. I mean, there are some, there are still some buildings across the street where if you're sitting on the roofs of them, you could probably peek in and see Wrigley, you know? I mean, obviously they put up, they put up a lot of billboards in the last five, 10 years, so you won't be able to see it totally, but there are still some, you know, rooftop seats that still exist. So, I mean, and I think one of the reasons I brought that up is because I remember seeing a picture on the AP wire at, of a restaurant at Fenway Park that plans to be open, and you've got mm-hmm. a view of the, of the playing field from the restaurant. Right. So it's really interesting to, like, see potentially, like, or what they will do, I guess, with that. I would assume there will be social distancing, obviously, on the rooftops. Yeah, so I'm sure there will be it, lo- limited capacity, like you said. It'll also be interesting to see if, like, COVID cases go down or, this, you know, we do better with this pandemic if – if they'll start letting fans into the actual ballpark eventually, maybe for September. Yeah. Who knows? So, but uh, the schedules this year are pretty uh, unbalanced, which could work in the case for the Cubs because they get to play the Brewers and the Cardinals seven times at home mm-hmm. and only three times on the road. So I know that usually makes more of a difference when you have fans and, the, you know, home field advantage in that sense, but... It is interesting to note that they like their two toughest divisional opponents. They get them at home, and the last series of the season is Cubs White Sox. This is the Cubs White Sox, which is really cool. I think. I think that could be that would be really cool if both teams were still in playoff contention, and they go yes. to that final weekend series, like having to you know win games to get in the postseason. I think that'd be really cool. So it would be fun to watch. At least I know that much. So. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit of a sad note, too, on an, another area. Uh, Beth Holtz, yeah. wife of former Notre Dame football coach Lou Holtz, passed away from cancer last week at the age of 82. Yeah. I know a lot of people uh, were saddened by the news, of course, obviously. Yeah. Given, and uh, just a big shock. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you you know more about Lou Holtz's career and his wife and things like that. Yeah. So I'll let you take the floor. She was a, an honorary monogram winner. She was awarded that on September 13, 2008, the same day they dedicated the statue to Lou outside the football stadium. That's pretty cool. So It's a good day for the Holtz family. Yes. Yeah. So Great uh, great couple, did a lot of, work, a lot of charity work. And uh, one, of, one of my favorite stories about Lou Holtz is I heard him speak at Goshen College one time, and he shared this story about when he came to Goshen to recruit Rick Meyer mm-hmm. at Goshen High School. And he showed up on a wintry day when it was kind of icy out, <laughs> and he slipped on the sidewalk going into up to the high school athletic office. And he told Meyer, he said, "You got to come to Notre Dame now, or I'm going to sue the city of Goshen and the school." <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really funny. Yeah, yeah I mean, could you imagine like seeing that from afar? Like, there's Lou Holtz, and then he slips on the ice. Like, what do you even do? Do you react? Like, how yeah. would I even? I don't even know how I would react if I saw that happen. So. It's pretty funny, though, and obviously Rick went to Notre Dame, so. It worked out well. Was Goshen ever sued? I don't think so. I don't think so. so. I'll have to, we'll have to check the records just in case Lou went back on his word. I mean. Well, it's that Holtz, Indiana, so I'm assuming that he didn't follow true. through with the lawsuit. Maybe he would have named it Beth, Indiana, after his wife. I Could mean, be. You never know, so. Could be. Yeah. Well, Greg, I am, uh, I'm good. 
If you're good, I think okay. that's, that covers I have everything. My, uh, oh, my we one got our sports trivia fact for today. And again, I will preface this by saying, Austin, I was not at this event. Oh, thank you. But uh, on July 8th, 1889, <laughs> John L. Sullivan uh-huh. defeated Jake Kilrain in the 75th round for the U.S. Heavyweight Boxing Championship. 75th. This was the last bare knuckle fight ever held. It was back before the markets of Queensbury rules were introduced. But 75 rounds these two guys went. 75 rounds. That was last for like sanctioned, like bare knuckle uh, boxing like fight, right? Like there's still some bare knuckle, like underground bare knuckle thing. Right, I think, but going this on, is the but, last right. yeah, okay. sanction. So this is like the last one. 75 yeah. rounds. Could you imagine that? No. No. I'm but tired just thinking about the that. The most they do now in professional boxing is like 15, I think, yeah. right? 15 rounds for the heavyweight championship, right? So th- this would be, what, five times longer than that? Yeah, roughly. So, yeah, as uh, five times. So we'll have to make sure that our producer, Sheila, hears that next week. Right. She's not here this week. We have a new producer. Yeah, well, in. I was going to mention that, too. We have a guest producer this week, Rich Linebaugh, our right. Goshen News technical Advisor handles mm. all our computer problems and issues. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's been great for us. He's been here since uh, before computers even existed. Because so. I got to work this morning, and the first thing I thought of was, "Oh, we've got the podcast this afternoon." Wait a minute, she was on <laughs> vacation this week. What are we going to do? Luckily, Rich stepped up and saved the day for us. Yes, you know how could how could the Goshen News, you know, go on without having a sports podcast this week? That, I mean, it right. would be sad. It'd be a sad day. So I'm glad we. Glad we got Rich in here to work this. He set up all the computers and the wires in this room anyway, so he should know how to record them or fix them and things like I hope that. So. so, well, if it's not, we'll see you next week. With yeah. <laughs> we won't be coming back to record a new one until next week. So, okay, folks, I guess that wraps up another edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. And tune in next week for our next episode. <laughs> <laughs>